Feather, feather, feather. Light, light, light. Work, work, Asking, ask, answer, answer. Accepting, honoring, honoring. All we are, earth to star. Can I ask you a question? What is the biggest, greatest? most immense thing in all of universal existence as we know it. Space. That's it. <laughs> Did you guess that? Space. So how can we utilize space? And how can we hold space and claim our space and find our way in the space? And create space. And remove space when we want to connect. Let's riff on this idea. Will you get us started? For me, being extremely intuitive, and this is something I teach a lot of parents that have really intuitive children. Uh, We're receiving all sorts of information all the time, and sometimes that can be overwhelming. So um, I teach kids specifically, but um, other intuitive adults as well, how to create 12 inches of space just around themselves where that's only for them. So by creating this boundary, because when we're working with space, it's really about a boundary or an absence of a boundary. Um, But when we're creating this boundary, it allows for our kiddos or our highly intuitive folks to be able to just have this sacred space of just feeling their own stuff so that they're not constantly getting bombarded with information. And we kind of do this a little bit like the grounding technique. So it really does have a lot to do. Mother Earth really supports us in this space creation. So grounding, grounding into the earth and just visualizing a really small. I like to use the color gold. It makes me feel really close and at home to Christ consciousness and the sun and community. And just really setting that 12 inches and just, and so it is. And we just visualize that bubble, a lot of people use a bubble. A bubble is a great way to, to create that 12 inch space. But that's where I am with my energy alone. I'm where I don't allow information to come any closer in that space. And that makes me feel safe. I like to use this a lot at the grocery store. Um, actually, the grocery store, I might make even a little bit bigger space. But I also like the idea of community and keeping people close as we're growing and, and um, creating community. So I always, I, I'm mindful. You just brought that up about people taking, there is such thing as, you know, taking up too much space, I guess, in a lot of ways. I've always felt like I've had a large energy um, and I kind of felt bad about taking up too much space, but really there's no space and time. <laughs> so it really is just a matter of how close you want things and where you are and where do you feel safe. And when we, we play with the idea of space, it's really, I think more so in a lot of ways, in in some circumstances, it's playing with the idea of safety and comfort and how do we, how are we able to be in any situation and have and create comfort and safety in our energy bodies and therefore in our physical bodies. I love your um, addition of the point about boundaries and setting a boundary. A friend modeled a boundary setting protocol for me that kind of reflects some of what you're saying. And I'll just share what it is and maybe you can riff on it. 
I command that only those energies sanctioned to me, for me, by me, in my highest benevolent alignment with source may be in the place where I am. All others must leave now. All doors and portals are closed and sealed. I surround myself with a golden dodecahedron where only the light of the divine may reach me. I am mm. safe and sound. All is well. It's beautiful. Yeah, because when we have, I love how you talked about the portals and doorways because our bodies, well, everywhere we have a cell, there is essentially a chakra or an energy center that's moving at any time where two mm. points, two cells are meeting. So we have our main seven and, you know, we have our soul star and our earth star chakra and we have multiple other extended chakras. And as you dive into the study of chakras and in and, and understanding how to use those energy centers. But I was told one time, and tell me if this resonates with you or not, that every time a cell meets, there's a chakra point. So that helps me understand why our bodies can actually hold gateways and portals of energy to come in and out. Um, and that can be a compromise or a violation of our space. So this goes along with our favorite word, sovereignty. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really a good example of how we can check in and, and um, be more mindful of our sovereignty because really the higher frequency we are, the more energy that we have available to us, um, the more attractive we look to everything, anything and everything, and especially things that we can't see, um, like different energies that might be around. So it's really a good reminder and a good boundary to make sure that the space within our vessel is um, commanded by us and we are only allowing the energies that we want in there's times to commune and to learn from each other and there's times to be super really sovereign there's times to open up energy and work with peers and partners and mentors and lovers and there's time to be really to ourselves and um I think that's how we start to establish a, a really deep relationship with ourselves. You talked about chakras. And so it might be nice to share with mm -hmm. our friends about what that means to us and also what our energy body is. And I'll give it a whirl first. Okay. My introduction to chakras is these seven and most people probably know what they are, um, but I'll try to do it fast. <laughs> Root. Give it a sacral. whirl. Get it? Swirl. Exactly. That's what I'm going to get to in a second. Root, sacral, solar plexus, heart, throat, third eye, crown. These are energy centers. So clearing and cleansing and activation to these areas is a, a self-care technique and it can be like a full spectrum self-care ritual you know taking care of our firm foundation in the beginning working all the way up through our heart and into our connection with the divine again what i learned as it relates to the chakras and that activation technique is that they're like fan blades mm. looking at a fan blade right there and they can gather dust and and you know sediment on the top through stillness when we're not taking care of our energetic hygiene they might ha have some stagnancy or they might just need to be shaken up and woke woke up so visualizing in our mind's eye that those fan blades red red for the root chakra 
ruby red jewels hidden in this debris, spinning themselves clean. That's that's one way to check in with our energy body, um, get to know our chakras as they relate to our whole self. And I'm new to the subject of auras, but in my imagination, I have explored that area before, but I'd love to know your viewpoint about energy body, chakras, aura. That's great. And I love how you described the chakras as a moving um as a moving, spinning part of our energy system and relating it to the fan. And so as a medical medium, when I work with the actual body, I try to um, integrate the energetic body and the physical body. I, I believe that most illness, all illness starts with an emotional or energetic symptom um, and how we can work if we were trying to work on the body and we're trying to work do energy work working on the body you would then assume or hopefully assume but it's true that the chakra center and which is closest to those organs would be then the one that's feeding the energy to the system so if we're talking about the solar plex chakra this is located um right above our navel and in this space we're dealing with digestive track we're dealing with um which is also considered our second mind. It's full of our nervous. There's a huge nerve brain within our stomachs. And this is why if we're going to go into holistic or holistic healthcare, we associate gut health with literally everything because it really does start from that place. And so our solar plex chakra is our center of power. So it's just very interesting, the correlation between the center of power, our own personal power, our seat of power. Um, there's a power meridian in ancient Chinese medicine that runs through that space. And it is located literally in our gut. So in that space. So you can start to make the association with where the chakras are within our body. And then in relation to like what organs they may be supporting. Um, and so that's when we start to bring the idea or understanding of energy body into our actual physical reality, into our physical existence. And in this way, we can take our mindfulness to the next level. And as we're working with um, anything as simple as Reiki or any other modalities, sound, um, working to get those spinners spinning. And that's really just getting that energy moving. Um, and if we think about it and we take it to the next level and we can really associate that with emotion, um, Dr. Hawkins, Dr. David H. Hawkins has created a scale from us around emotion that represents hertz or frequency. So if you think about the chakra and how fast it's moving is going to determine its health. A rusty old chakra that's not moving like a dirty old fan blade is not going to be feeding that part of our body, the essential energy, um, you know, energy as a nutrient, right, to operate, um, to perform its vital functions for us. Um, and so every right, everything right down to every cell in our body has an optimal speed or frequency, just like our chakras. With all that being said, we are now for a little bit more familiarized with chakra system. And then you mentioned aura. You're going to find all sorts of information. This is a really great place to use your discernment. You know, hold close to you what feels resonant and just kind of let go of the rest. I don't really feel like there's a right or wrong. I think whatever system that we feel resonant with that we can really feel like it works for us will just help give us some structure to keep in. Because the idea is just to kind of keep these systems healthy and active. 
Yeah, I would just like to add when we share, we're talking about firsthand experience and we're talking about um, wisdom we've collected from other people. What we're also doing is allowing everyone, mm -hmm. even each other, to have their own interpretation mm -hmm. of the divine. Absolutely. And there's there's a great mystery, um, and we acknowledge that and respect that. Mm -hmm. And we, um, you know, even between each other, sometimes we see things differently. We we check each other out like that. But anyway, it's it's important for you to know that we want you to have your interpretation. And if there's something else that you're already walking with that feels really good, we'd love to know. So with that being said, I, I think the last correlation that I think is really interesting is emotion and how um, I've learned to understand how the emotions affect the body through the frequency through Dr. Hawkins' work. And so if you look at a frequency in Hertz, right, these are just we're measuring the way the cellular activity is creating a frequency in the body. So it's really literally you have stabilized neutrons and protons in the center of our cells or our atoms that create our cellular make makeup. And then you have electrons moving. So how quickly they're moving and moving in unison will then create a hertz or also you could call it a frequency. Um, and then Dr. Hawkins has created a chart through his study and research of the different emotions so we can see how we move through all these different levels of function and frequency. So, for example, per his study, fear is about 120 hertz. So it moves at a little bit slower pace. So now we're seeing a little bit dustier chakra. Maybe it's moving a little bit slower. It's getting it clogged up. We're under the emotion of fear. So if we've got that going on in our solar plex, you someone might be receiving, could potentially receive symptoms reflecting of that. The fun, this function of the stomach may not be digesting, maybe struggling with digestion, stuff like that. So we're starting to understand how these emotions can actually affect our physical body. And if we're thinking about love, that's 500. So from 120 to 500, that's a big jump. Talking about frequency, which is an abstract concept for me. But mm -hmm. when you talk about 500, you're talking about 500 hertz on Correct. the frequency scale. And so I would just like to add that on the subject of frequency, we're in layman terms, we're talking about vibe. Vibration. <laughs> like vibration. Yeah. Energy. The, you know. I was thinking about it the other Thank day and you. I was like, um, before my intention becomes manifest mm -hmm. as a sound is a frequency, which is a really subtle vibration that then becomes a sound like a, um, <laughs> before they made that audible sound is a frequency. And during that sound is a frequency, but the, it's the, the energy of a vibration of a, you know, movement it's it's an energy it's a it's an impulse <laughs> to to create i guess i don't know uh but I it's a that. measurable That's it's a beautiful. measurable energy on a on a spectrum of vibration on a spectrum it could also be like a sound wave yeah that could be another way to think about it visually is it looks like a <laughs> a radio wave yeah exactly <laughs> Well, and it's interesting. We could dive into that a little bit farther and we could say, like, if you're really, really happy and you're just going to produce this song, sorry, this is a produce 
the sound that came to mind being really, really happy. And so that might sound like really, really happy cave producing a sound. And then like really, really sad cave producing Mm -hmm. a sound. You know? So, I mean, it's all up for our own interpretation. But I tend to kind of move into a little bit as, as close to scientific as we can be. Frequency. Yeah, it gets pretty scientific and that's where it loses me. But vibe <laughs> to sum it up. It's super simple. Vibration. Yeah. Well, and the idea too is we want all of our cells in our body to operate at the optimal speed. You know, we don't even have to use the word frequency, just at the optimal speed. Um, so that everything is functioning like how would we say in a regulated state to support our being really yeah and that brings me to uh, another side note on the subject of you know energy movement and Mm. taking care of our energy body and we're just remembering this lesson from dr joe dispenza Mm. about how um there's a there's a way we can think of our spine, our spinal cord as like a straw, and we can draw energy up from the center of the earth, which is connected to the center of the solar system, which is connected to the center of the galaxy and the universe, possibly. Within my centering practice, I can center into this colossal centered thing, energy source, and I can draw that energy up through my spine feed all the chakras that simple practice of taking a breath and intending and feeling that energy come up and nourish my body that's a really good way to take care of myself there's a breathing technique that does exactly that before i learned about the joe dispenza technique there i was practicing this this breathing technique that it's such a deep breath that it actually continues until it exponentially tapers off, but it continues to be an inhale. That's the way I think about it. Even to the point when my lungs are already filled to capacity. And then pretty soon, in that breathless state, I feel my ears pop. I feel like this really expansive energy inside my head. And it's like clearing of discomfort. And it brings mental clarity. And it's... It just blesses me up. It feels euphoric. And so that's a, mm. that's a, I definitely know there's energy moving, moving there. I don't understand exactly how it's working or why it works, but I do know that for me, that's a good technique. That's beautiful. And some people would associate that with like a Kundalini exercise and pulling that energy up that way. That's one school of thought. Even Joe Dispenza, he will hint towards, we do this to focus on bringing spinal fluid up. The, our spinal column and into our brain stem, which then feeds our brain and activates all these yummy chemicals like oxytocin, serotonin in our brain, which then bring on those euphoric states. At the same time, alchemizing in the breath will alchemize in, um, in that process. It cleans up things that are chemicals that are overloading or that we don't need to be there. And then we release those things. Um, which also makes more space for more of that euphoric feeling. So it's really quite interesting um, what's happening in the physical body while we're working and growing through our energetic body or with the energetic understanding or working with those sacred channels, that sacred channel in yoga, we call this the prana path. So now we know what we bring into the space. We bring in all of these energy centers. And so the way they operate and function and how that um, shows up in 
the etheric. Um, some of us are visual seers and some of us actually see um, in this reality. Most of my vision comes from my third eye. So it comes, I, I like to identify them as movies. So the way I see energy and energy lines, I do see, I'm starting to see auras a little bit. The cleaner my lifestyle has gotten, I do live sober. So the cleaner my lifestyle has gotten, the more I, those kind of energies are visible in those waking in these like tangible earth realms. But most all of my vision comes from my third eye. And so it's like a movie that's running in um, what someone would call your mind or um, what I would say falsely imagination. I really do believe that what we're able to visualize is a reality on some on some level or information coming in. But so I guess uh, imagination is image creations essentially. And mm -hmm. instead of being a creation of images, it's a visualization of images that are in existence in some form. Yeah. Well, I would say, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And another term you can just say is it's um, the actualization, the actual vision of information mm. coming in. For example, if you're trying to remember where your keys are, and you're trying to locate your keys and you're visually seeking the location of your keys and then you see where your keys are in your mind's eye that is well first of all it's astral projection because you're able to take your visual plane and travel through the astral to locate the keys so there's one and then it's also clairvoyance because you're able to see the keys out like in your mind's eye that are not in your physical presence in your actual reality. So I believe we're all capable of doing that. I think it's muscle. I think that in that key exercise, it is a great exercise to strengthen that. I think all of our clairs and all of these six senses, just like you go to the gym and you work out your biceps and your triceps and do some crunches, doing these kind of activities, working with a friend or your partner or companion, you know, ask them to hide a crystal, try to locate the crystal, ask them to hide your keys on you and you just kind of spend that time and the more we do it the better and easier it gets beautiful technique yeah i, I can see my keys and i also time traveled back to the planet a couple minutes ago when i put them on the key rack yeah you know <laughs> and that's when i'm talking about timelines and i'm talking about this and that like so he's working with this timeline that he's physically on right now but there's all sorts of timelines, right? All of time and space is now. So he can go back to the day his first baby was born and he can be on that timeline very easily with his kid and his kid's mom and mm -hmm. be able to experience that, you know? And this is a really great technique when we're experiencing a lot of stress or uncertainty. You can bring yourself back to a space that is comforting and makes you feel whole and reminds you of the gratitude for things in life. And then it can pull you right out of a lower emotion like fear or stress. And you can travel from that 120 to that 500 real quick. So again, we're talking about 120 Hertz to 500 and that's a measurement of lower vibe to higher vibe. How quickly our electrons are moving around our protons and our neutrons. Maybe that relates to acceleration. People speak about accelerating, just like we're talking about ascending. There's charts. There's charts you can simply Google. Dr. Hawkins' um, scale of consciousness and this stuff has worked out. And I did notice there was another researcher who's been doing some work too. I believe 
in Japan, and he takes the same work of Dr. Hawkins, and he relates this to the different dimensions, and that's like a whole other ballgame, but dimensions are all in the present moment, and it's the state of euphoria that you create that brings you up to what we're all talking about in the spiritual community is 5D or the fifth dimension. You mentioned Japanese doctors. <laughs> I got to mention Dr. Emoto. Oh, yes. The message in water. And here mm-hmm. we are talking about how our bodies are kind of like a gauge of how we're doing in our minds and hearts. Mm-hmm. Our emotional state is often reflected in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he showed that, he demonstrated that in a really amazing way through the study of crystals and the formation of crystals as they are exposed to a lot of different factors, like something as subtle as the word love on the vessel holding the crystal created a certain level of beauty that wasn't seen in crystals that had the word hate or fear associated with them. Truth and love were really high vibration frequencies that formed these beautiful crystals. And as far as like symmetry and, you know, fine detail and beauty in my eyes, of the crystal formation. So we're talking about snowflakes. They looked beautiful when they were exposed to beauty, in my mind. And so when you're saying crystals, you mean the crystallized water droplets from water, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it starts with the water. But if you look at water under a microscope, it crystallizes into all these different beautiful shapes. Good yeah. point. Yeah, the book is called The Message in Water. It's a study of water exposed to various factors. and a lot of visualization of the, you know, this proof that shows the concepts that we're talking about connection between emotion and body through the visualization of these snowflakes. Yeah, absolutely. So taking that and we're kind of going rounding, rounding, rounding back down to our space. (laughs) So this is a really beautiful tool to know like when to, Protect your space a little bit more, especially those of us who are, I mean, we're all sensitive. We're essentially radio towers, every single one of us, you know, Um, and just, and that doesn't mean that if we're feeling uncomfortable around things that's good or bad, it's just a matter of receiving information. And so um, we can use our 12 inch bubble or, you know, our protective shielding by kind of taking up a little bit more space when we're in uncomfortable situations. Maybe people around us are, I'm not feeling so happy and we don't want to necessarily take that on. Um, We can create more space, kind of like put a little bit more than our 12 feet. So my understanding, and this idea was introduced to me by my kid's mom. She talked about energy bubble. And earlier I, I, I called this a dodecahedron. That's kind of like a fancy way of saying a geometrical formation but it's essentially an orb Hmm. and a glowing ball of light and you know i'm glad you touched on that because i had no idea what a dodecahedron is (laughs) a dodecahedron actually is is a a 12-sided uh well it's a collection of 12 panels that create like a soccer ball (laughs) okay So, so the idea of being aware of our energy bubble is recognizing that say we're in a, a schoolroom or uh, an apartment building or um, a grocery store 
And if everyone in there was at their maximum energy bubble, it would be so crowded and uncomfortable. And it would be loud also because our energy bubble is bigger than it needs to be. But if we can be aware of our space and aware of other people's space and their energy bubble by perceiving their energy, you know, if we're subdued and relaxed and quiet in our speech, that probably means we're keeping our energy bubble on the small side. But if we're loud and big, <laughs> we're big with our energy. And sometimes it's inappropriate to be so big with our energy. So my kid's mom makes the point that we can be self-aware of the energy we're bringing into any space. And I would say that the first step in that awareness is listening. Slow down, check in, ask a question. Just before making a scene, check out the scene. You know, it's a safety yeah. thing, too. Yeah. I, I call that just surrendering to what is. You know, being aware of what is. And hopefully we're self-aware enough to know how we can interact with that in a graceful way. Absolutely. I think it's something to like maybe bring up too is if you feel like you generally have a larger energy space. I don't think what she means is to like necessarily shrink your space and who you are down, but just to maybe walk a little bit gracefully with your voice and how you're taking it up in in that way. Some of us are just, you know, I mean, we all have energy. And so just being mindful of how we show up in our, in the space, we can have this big, beautiful energy, but we don't necessarily want to be pushing people. Like you can still have who you are and be authentically who you are without actually coming in and controlling the space in a negative way or dis disharmonious, or disharmonious way. You can walk in harmony with other things um, effortlessly. If you put the awareness there. And when I'm talking about, being aware of our big energy, I'm not asking anyone to dim their light or mm. shrink down. Belittling a kid is not what anyone wants. We don't want a, anyone to be smaller with who they are. We want them to be big and glorious with their, with their life, everyone. And we're just asking them to acclimate to the environment they're in mm-hmm. so that they, they can cohabitate and co-create with what's there. And that's beautiful. And if we all did that, we'd be in perfect harmony and it would be heaven on earth. And it is heaven on earth. And you know what I was thinking about the other day is traffic. Oh, Like 99% of the time, Mm 99.9% of the time, it's actually so respectful. There's this huge mess of cars moving on these spaghetti highways, interacting all over the place. And it's so seamless almost all the time. Occasionally, there's a crash. Occasionally, there's a sticky situation. For me, there's way too many times when I get frustrated with the clutter of it and the the mess of it, the traffic jam. And it's high time I respect and express gratitude for the seamlessness almost all the time of it (laughs) at 99% of the time that's what's important to focus on is the right. fact that the system is working. We are respecting each other's energy yeah. bubbles out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and not to counteract that, but in, if you ever are having a day or maybe you're not feeling so 
uh, or easily, I mean, we, we all have, we all walk through life and have different experiences. And maybe if there is a day you're not feeling so good or a little bit tired, or maybe somebody isn't being very respectful on the road, you can extend that 12 inch energy bubble around your car. Um, especially if you're concerned about safety or maybe somebody's not being very respectful or mindful, you can just expand that out around the car. You know, you can do that on your own. You could ask for angelic support. Archangel Michael is a great angel, angel for protector. Right. There are times when we need that shield and we need it to be big. Mm -hmm. I've heard about, you know, a protective mantle over entire villages during Mm -hmm. times of bombings. And, you know, prayerful people created that, created that safeguard. That's beautiful. And this is just going back to like knowing our space, knowing you know how to create sovereignty, how to create inclusivity, um, how to co-create, and just just really kind of boils down to awareness of who we are and what we're capable of, and how our centers and how our energy works from the inside out, and then how do we interact with our environment? Um, these are, seem to be really simple topics, but they're really quite intricate and it's a really great conversation to bring this up because it really just shows how much power we have in the little things these are just little day-to-day things and there's so much power and so much um, opportunity for positive regulation in in a great way here's an example of a, a little thing that becomes so big my friend tells me a technique that he uses when he buses people around in traffic he's an uber driver and he says that he goes extra slow in those big traffic jams. And that's exactly what that's doing is it's extending, broadening his energy bubble. It's creating a safer roadway by slowing way down. And that's a heck of a good summary of what we're saying. Well, and in life in general, bringing, you know, slowing down really gives us a chance to be present. And when we come back to presence, we come back to breath and choice. You know, if we get caught in a story, uh, I don't have enough time, I'm rushing, whatever the story is, what pulls us out of our presence, takes us away from our choice. And when I'm talking about choice, I'm talking about choice and how we choose to be and walk and move in that moment. And I really try to put as much energy into choosing to move from a place of love, self-love and compassion and neutrality. That's how I choose. I like to show up in this world that's my gift to myself first and the gift to everyone around me compassionate neutrality that's a beautiful way to say that that reminds me of a way that i like to look at the world around me like say um this person who's speeding this person who's driving funny maybe even a drunk driver Mm. uh you know can we look at these things with a soft gaze you know non-judgment instead of instead of getting so upset when someone cuts us off remembering that we do that (laughs) sometimes right can we be you know extend that compassion to them maybe we can love ourselves a little bit more by empathizing with them and like relating with them and being like you know that's i also forget to put my blinker on sometimes (laughs) yeah Um, that reminds me of something that someone said one time you don't clean dirt with dirt that brings us back to 
no, I'm not going to match energy. I'm going to be sovereign and hold what I like to be in as much as I, or I'm going to strive to do that. I mean, you know, we'll strive to hold that higher frequency and just be in that love. Um, you know, and it's interesting to even talk about that because I feel like it's a little bit easier to do that with others than it is ourselves. And I think it's a really beautiful practice to be able to try to hold that compassion and neutrality, not only with interacting with our community, but really with ourselves as we move through things and we feel through things. And sometimes some of us have really big feelings, but we deserve that compassion and neutrality from ourselves just as much as, you know, our community does. A friend calls that detachment. And to me, that's a little bit loaded. It almost means not caring. But detachment just means taking responsibility for our own emotions and, you know, not needing to stoop to another level just because we're witnessing something else. Yeah, and that's beautiful. And I think that's like a a weird word thing, right? Because detachment is just really the opposite of attachment or being attached to the situation giving it emotional charge when it doesn't need to be, you know, throwing gasoline on the fire, so to speak. But um, people, we as a community can look at detachment in other ways, as in um, not, like you said, not caring or um, disassociation. Yeah, disassociation, which is not really what we mean when we say that. We just mean the lack of attachment, the absence of attachment. Compassionate neutrality works out smart. I think there's more clarity there. Yeah. And there's there's less of an opportunity to be confused with disassociation is really, I think, which is that more just, that's really like the ignoring of and almost taking additional steps or actions to not only ignore, but like to cover up really, mm. to ignore even, you know. And that's a trap. Yeah. That's a trap. Ignoring. <laughs> Ignorance is one of the worst uh, traps out there. Being aware and drawing awareness is a key to healing. I know that there's a mantra circulating around right now that I really like, and it it really speaks to me. And it simply says, you have to feel it to heal it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that one was a little confusing for me for a while because, I mean, it was like we knew that, but I don't know that I was doing that, mm-hmm. you know, um, a really good way to check in to, and to see how you're, if you're doing that or if you're not doing that is kind of zoning in on the next time you have big, some big emotions or some, you know, maybe uncomfortable situation. What is your, what is your, what are you called to do at that moment? Are you called to reflect and go into meditation or just be maybe some physical activity or are you gonna you know i mean my go-to in my 20s was just to go out and listen to loud music maybe have a couple drinks and just unwind in that way but really that just didn't i do you know i wasn't actually feeling what i was doing i was creating a whole new reality i was instead of diving into those feelings and emotions and sometimes to feel to heal you really, really means you just put on your Mazzy Star CD and take a little rest by yourself in your bed, you know, or take a long bath. And sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes that's the best way to take care of ourselves, you know, for a long time, even especially with the masculine feeling and crying and emoting and experiencing our emotions really wasn't um, welcomed in our culture. And I'm really, really grateful to now be able to um, experience my own emotions um, and know that you know my 
brothers are, are able to do the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know I'm grateful to be able to access that emotional release that way nowadays. Mm-hmm. I, I will also say, though, that there's a even more surface level way of, you know, speaking about what we're talking mm-hmm. about, and that is the body speaks. <laughs> if I have a headache, I can power through it in an arrogant way, thinking I'm going to just conquer it. It was, you know, a prideful way, thinking, I, thinking I'm okay and I'm just going to power through. And it's also telling me something needs to be addressed. And if I'm not listening to that, if I'm ignoring it, I might be putting my health at risk and I might be putting my life in danger. I might be simply needing water, first of all. Yeah, my first question if I'm having a headache is, am I drinking enough water? Because headache is the first sign of dehydration. Yep. And then... The, you know, the list goes on. Yeah, check check that box. I got plenty of water. What's next to check? You know, if if I can draw attention to the fact that I'm suffering in some way and, you know, with a soft gaze, with compassionate neutrality, not needing to fix it, even holding a loving embrace for it to mm-hmm. be, and also potentially seeking a solution. I heard a masculine way is put the fire out. A feminine way might be hold space for it, send it love. You know, these are beautiful ways of paying attention, drawing attention to something for the sake of potentially freeing ourselves so we can feel good. Yeah, I love how you're bringing up listening to the body's cues because that's super, it's a super awesome map. I mean, it's a lot easier to feel into and step into pains or discomfort or even joy even positive even positive things that are happening in our body and that helps us get comfortable with detecting those things and then it makes it easier for us to kind of be being aware of our intuition and what we may be getting on an intellectual mental or spiritual level